Well, that certainly is a lot of excitement. That's mission delirium. If you haven't caught them in the act, I suggest you keep your ears open when you're walking down the street in the mission at nighttime. And you're like, is that a large brass band on the corner? Uh, throwing their tubas up in the air and flinging themselves backwards into limbotic poses and uh, entertaining the crowds in the in public why yes it is and chances are it's mission delirium uh, i'm global val thanks for tuning into women's magazine this afternoon you're listening to mutiny radio.fm here in san francisco's mission district it is august October 12th, 2018. My, how the time does fly. Uh, we're, we're, we're tumbling into fall over here in San Francisco, um, which actually means things get heated up. So uh, we're enjoying our late summer um, beauty. And um, I hope wherever you may be, whether whether the, the times feel like they're getting colder uh, <laughs> I hope you find some warmth and when things are heating up, I hope you find a way to keep cool um, because I think this world and as it revolves on its axis requires continuous acts of balance. So it's Friday. Happy Friday, everyone, uh, wherever you may be. Uh, I hope you've got something special planned for uh, this evening and this weekend. And by that, I mean, you know, like resting, because that's very special in this very modern, busy world that we live in. Uh, You know, I'm a city girl, you know, born and raised here in San Francisco, but uh, I certainly love to get far away from city lights sometimes and the whole buzz of everybody on their electronic devices and the commute hours and the trains and the tunnels and the exhaust and all that nasty business that goes into our day-to-day kind of modern human lives. Um, I think it's really important to uh, take a step back, sleep in, uh, take a few deep breaths, you know, make sure you, you open a window and, and get somewhere where, or stand outside where there's fresh air coming toward you. And uh, also take off your shoes. Uh, there's, a, there's a whole movement called grounding, and I really recommend it. Um, it helps to kind of neutralize the electrical charges in your body. So if you take off your shoes and you stand in grass or sand or even even just on concrete or out in you know pebbles or something um, the earth wants to help you uh, stabilize and um, and uh, you know just a few minutes every day uh, sometimes I do it I'll take a walk out to the beach and take off my shoes and stand in the water or near the water and in the sand and uh, of course it all, all automatically it feels good on your feet but then Inevitably, you know, like a few minutes later, all of a sudden it's like this whoosh and, and it's like something just totally like left through the, through the bottom of my feet. Um, and it is a freeing feeling and how simple it is to just stand there or sit there. You don't even have to stand. You don't have to walk, whatever. Um, but definitely I, 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 we, we, we need to, um, balance ourselves. We need to take care of ourselves, especially in these very trying times where it feels like no matter which way we turn, there's some sort of offense coming our way, whether or not we is solicited it or not. Um, 
I mean, <laughs> do we have to talk about the Supreme Court? I guess we could continue to, and we should, but um, it's been a very hard time for a lot of people. Um, and as, as kind of I was expounding upon a couple weeks ago, um, you know, I feel like our culture, um, although it seems really dark and ugly in, in many ways, we're kind of going through um, a type of healing. Um, and that's not always easy to do. Um, just for example, like I, I hurt my, I pulled a little muscle on my back a, a week ago and, you know, the first two days it was like horrendous um, and, you know, <laughs> dismal. Uh, but, you know, as things slowly get better, it, it, it takes time. And, uh, well, we've got time apparently. Um, which also reminds me, you know, I actually, I, I, for, I somehow, I never do this cause I'm a poet. Somehow I left my notebook at home. Uh, I had a poem I wanted to share with you, but it's along the same lines. Um, I was, I was informed about a ki- something last week that I found to be very poetic. Uh, a friend of mine was telling me about how her great aunt who's in her eighties and lives a very healthy, active lifestyle, um, was diagnosed with uh, a condition that's called Lady Windermere's syndrome. Now, Lady Windermere uh, is a reference to an Oscar Wilde character who is very, very proper, um, you know, very reserved and uh, ladylike of the, of the era of the time. Um, but uh, you can imagine a very, you know, reserved very polite, very uh, conscious, class conscious, um, you know, woman of previous centuries, uh, you know, trying not to express herself very much, um, holding things back. So Lady Windermere's syndrome, uh, from what I've learned, is a condition um, that where, whereby um, women are afflicted with it mostly. Um, and it's it's a lung it's a lung condition where where bacteria can get into the lungs and kind of manifest there and the reason that they postulate it happens is be is due to women suppressing their cough so you can imagine if you wanted to cough but you were in public and you wanted to be very polite so instead you'd go <clears throat> yeah <clears throat> as opposed to actually coughing so <laughs> so the syndrome apparently comes from uh, women not, you know, like like holding it in and then making their lungs susceptible to infection and then not having that infection discovered until years and years later, potentially. And now her poor aunt, a great aunt who's like 80 something, um, you know, they want to put her on antibiotics for a year. Uh, which sounds dangerous in and of itself. But um, I found the disease and the name of the disease and the conditions that they describe to be very poetic because, um, you know, when we don't let it out, we open ourselves to having things manifest in ourselves that hide and can harm us. And I feel like we're in an era now where it's coming up. And maybe, you know, there's going to be a lot of kind of emotional uh, regurgitation. Um, 
you know, letting, letting the vile things that we've witnessed or experienced actually surface and it's not pretty and it's not fun. And, um, it makes us feel worse for a time. But I also think that there's another side to that. And if we can just hold on through whatever the pain or discomfort may be, that we're going to find ourselves feeling kind of free. I'm Global Val. Thank you for tuning in to Women's Magazine today here on MutinyRadio.fm. Of course, I always want you to tune in to my colleagues, the originators of uh, the original Women's Magazine, which is on KPFA 94.1 FM in Berkeley, Pacifica of the Great Pacifica Network. Um, they're on Mondays, 1 to 2 p.m. And, uh, of course, also on kpfa.org. Um, I'm waiting for a couple of phone calls today. Uh, it is election season, uh, the election, uh, general election coming up on uh, November 6th. Pardon me, the midterm elections coming up on November 6th. Um, here in California and San Francisco and around the country. So I'm going to have a couple of guests who are calling in this afternoon to talk about uh, various measures that actually have already passed and, and where do we go from here. Um, and also, um, I'm going to be having a call from uh, Gilda Yazi at 2.30, and she is the vice president of NOW, which is the National Organization for Women. She is of the Diné Nation, uh, down where the borders crossed uh, her at the Four Corners, um, and uh, she is traveling around the country right now working to get out the vote. So she'll be calling in at 2.30. I believe I'm going to be getting a call in the next few minutes um, from a local um, a local activist who's been working on not the Prop C on November's ballot, but the Prop C from June's ballot, which passed here in San Francisco, which would be a commercial real estate tax um to fund childcare that is now being contested. So um, we've got a, a few different issues we're going to touch upon today. Um, thank you for tuning in. I'm going to play you some more music from these really cool crew called Mission Delirium and hope you enjoy that and maybe get up out of your seat and uh, shake it.
You are listening to Women's Magazine. I'm Global Val here on MutinyRadio.fm. We are streaming around the planet on the internet, and also the podcast will be available after the show in our podcast archive under Women's Magazine. We're also available on iTunes. So uh, thank you for joining me today. On the phone, I have a guest, Mary Ignatius, who's called in to give us kind of an update on um, something, a measure that was passed here in San Francisco on the June ballot, uh, Prop C, not to be confused with the Prop C coming up in November. Um, But uh, Mary, thank you for calling into the program today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So Proposition C, which which voters in San Francisco voted for and passed here in in, in June, um, was a commercial real estate tax um, that where the money was is slated to go towards uh, child care uh, programs. Um, but you've called in today because even though that passed, it's it's hit some hurdles. Uh, tell us about those, please. Yeah, so uh, in June, the voters agreed that taxing millionaire commercial property um, owners, because there was an exemption for those making under a million dollars, that voters agreed that taxing millionaire commercial property owners to invest in uh, child care, affordable child care for working San Francisco families and in increasing the wages um, of our predominantly women of color, you know, workforce who provide the care, um, was a laudable cause, and we, you know, gathered signatures through, um, you know, talking to voters, asking if they supported getting it on the ballot, and then we spent a lot of time talking to voters and asking if, if they, in fact, wanted to, you know, have a progressive tax in San Francisco to raise about $140 million a year um, to fund child care, and um, we needed a simple majority to pass, and we did, and um, we always, you know, were, we kind of knew that the forces that were out there weren't going to be happy and that there might be a potential lawsuit. Um, and in fact, that lawsuit came out in early August, sort of the last day before, um, they could weigh in. And so Howard Jarvis Taxpayer Association, the Business Owners and Management Association, the California Business Roundtable, and the California Property Association. Um, Those four statewide organizations uh, filed a lawsuit suing the city and county of San Francisco, stating that um, our initiative that was passed by the voters should be invalidated because they believe it requires a two-thirds majority. And we disagree. <laughs> and so let's talk about that two-thirds majority kind of caveat there. Um, so Prop C, like you said, passed with a simple majority. That's all that it was, that, that it, all that it needed to pass here um, as designed on the ballot. What is the two-thirds holdup? What is, what is that um, loophole that they're kind of uh, needling into to try to fight this? Yeah, so there was a case that uh, was before the California Supreme Court. Um, It went in the favor of the plaintiff, which was arguing that an initiative put on by the citizens um, did not have to meet the sort of local government-imposed tax threshold of two-thirds. And so what the... What Howard Jarvis and those guys are arguing is that um, that local government actually put this on and therefore needs to meet 
that two thirds threshold. Um, and we are, you know, fighting back and say, no, this was really citizen driven. Uh, the organization that I'm a part of is called Parent Voices, where grassroots group of mothers, predominantly mothers of color who are, you know, struggling in San Francisco and across the state uh, to afford quality, affordable child care. And it was our members who were out there collecting signatures. We um, knocked on doors. We made 10,000 phone calls. You know, we were the ones really out there driving this. This wasn't City Hall driving this. This was this was citizens and, and really, you know, the families and the child care providers and early educators in San Francisco really driving this. And so we don't believe their lawsuit has a lot of weight, but we are up against these super huge anti-tax pro-business lobbies who have, you know, unlimited resources to have as many lawsuits as they want out there. And, you know, we're a grassroots group of mothers with our kids in strollers and, um, you know, don't have the sort of money resources, but we definitely have the, the people resources and the passion to really defend what is the right of, of voters to be able to put on signature initiatives and then to, you know, ask ourselves, do we want to vote on tax increases to support issues that we believe um, that voters value. And in our case, they do value child care. Um, there was another initiative in June, Prop G, which did a similar format, signature initiative, passed with simple majority to increase the wages of our K-12 through teachers and, and professionals in the San Francisco Unified School District. The voters agree with that. Um, in November, there's a, another Proposition C uh, to also increase taxes in a similar way. Signature petition requires a simple majority and seeing if the voters also agree that we need to address this, you know, out of control um, housing market and homelessness issue. And so, you know, what's at stake here is really the ability for for small group, community groups, unions, but people who don't have the same resources to fund these, you know, you know, initiatives um, and have the sort of unlimited resources for marketing and, you know, all of those things. It's really a test of and a challenge to, to say that we should also have the right to do that and let the voters decide. That's really what's at stake. Agreed. And, and thank you for that. I mean, I look, I look forward to, um, you know, having more voter voter initiatives actually be the norm. And I remember when I found out that some states don't even have that. They just vote for, for their elected officials and they don't even have propositions. I was kind of floored, you know, being from California in the land of propositions. Um, so, so the, so the Prop C in June then it was, it was through signature gathering, but then did the legislature here, did the, did the supervisors actually put officially put it on the ballot? Is that what they're arguing against? No, actually, it was the, we collected, um, I think the total was uh, 16,000 signatures in like three weeks. We wow. actually started the day of the Women's March in um, January 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a very, you know, limited amount of time, um, we had volunteers and there were paid canvassers out there. Um, talking to San Francisco voters. And so we met the threshold. They verified and validated 
the signatures that we submitted, and that's what put it on the ballot. Okay. Well, um, so in this ongoing, now this legal battle that's afoot, um, how is your group, Parent Voices, and other people participating in this process with the now the city and county of San Francisco getting sued over it? Yeah, I mean, we're still in the middle of conversations. We have sort of um, a limited time based on the filing of the lawsuit and the, um, the filing of the ability for the plaintiff to, to do public notices. Um, and so we're exploring all of our, you know, all of our potential avenues. You know, again, we're a small grassroots group. So if there are any listeners out there who know any tax or election uh, law firms who want to support this effort and, and support some pro bono help to throw our way, that's kind of we're in the middle of trying to weigh all of our options. Um, because this is huge. I mean, the, the Upland case, sort of open the doors for um, citizens to to do these local initiatives um, in their local communities and how the courts weigh in on this will have, you know, serious repercussions for initiatives across the state. And so um, we want to defend our win. We want to defend our ability to address this child care crisis that we're seeing um, We've spent decades trying to expand resources for child care programs at the federal level, at the state level, at the local level, but they're very incremental increases. They're never going to address the enormity of the crisis and the enormity of the need. And so we need to be able to have the ability to put on ballot initiatives like this and identify dedicated funded funding sources to pay for it, um, because otherwise we're going to continue with this, like, okay, we'll fund a little bit of child care, we'll fund a little bit of housing, we'll fund a little bit of senior services, we'll fund a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And it's these little bit of things that are causing um, tremendous, you know, hardships for um, everyday San Franciscans. And when you look at the people who are you know, who are the plaintiffs who are putting up this lawsuit, they've benefited from 40 years of Prop 13 corporate welfare. They've benefited from the Bush tax cuts, the Trump tax cuts. They've benefited from the, you know, the local tax cuts from the San Francisco has offered them. And to see them, you know, come after little kids, you know, like preschoolers and babies, Right. Um, and, and mothers and families, and mothers right? And the families, most. The, I mean, we're just trying to coexist in San Francisco. That's all we're asking for, you know? And this city is, is at risk. If it hasn't already, the city is at risk of really losing its soul. And um, these guys, Howard Jarvis, Boma, these guys are like ripping the soul away from our most vulnerable San Franciscans. And we can't let it happen. You know, we can't just sit back and watch them uh, take this away from us. And so we want to fight. Um, we need help fighting, but we're not going to just sit back and, and let them steal this from us. And if people want to help you or, or to get involved and, and help with this, with this fight, uh, what's a good resource for, for, for people to reach out to you? 
right now the best resource is to email me. Um, we're working on building, um, you know, we have a ECE for all uh, coalition that was really behind Prop C, but we want to expand that coalition to include, you know, the teachers of UES, of United Educators of San Francisco. We want it to include the folks behind Our Home, Our City, the November ballot, um, but we're just like, everything's just happening at once, and so we're just you know, trying to get all those pieces in place. But if folks are interested and, and want to get involved, they can send me an email. Um, it's mary at parentvoices.org, mary at parentvoices.org. Um, we're going to start some planning meetings and, you know, really think through a strategic, you know, plan around how to address this. Because it, it it really can't just be us. It really has to be anybody in San Francisco who believes in direct democracy, who believes in the right for all of us to coexist, who believes in, you know, you know, shared prosperity. <laughs> you know, we want everybody who, you know, and also just like everything that's happening at the federal level. <laughs> um, there's all this like anti-democratic rhetoric out there that's really challenging the, you know, the fundamentals of our democracy. And I don't mean to sound like completely outrageous, but that's really what's happening. And there is this, you know, corporate elite that's just trying to take as much power away from us when they have all of it. And so we're just calling on anybody who, you know, cares about the, the, the children and the mothers and the families and the teachers and um, want to address the issues around homelessness and the housing crisis. Like, this is the time to get involved. Like, we cannot sleep on this anymore because we're getting attacked from every level. And so it's going to be a people-driven response and solution that um, needs to be activated to, to really fight it. Well, Mary Ignatius, thank you so much for calling in today. Um, I really appreciate all the work that you and your and everyone that you're working with is doing. I, I thank you for being a voice here on Women's Magazine today. We can leave it as to be continued because I know this is going to be ongoing and I'm, you're always welcome to uh, be a part of the show um, and, and give give me a call back when, when you have updates or actions or anything else um, as, as this progresses. But we will let people know um, if they want to reach out to you, mary at parentvoices.org. Um, Maybe you're a pro bono lawyer out there that's listening or, or just someone who has some resources or some ideas to help um, and, and move, move this forward so that um, the, the will of the voters, uh, which is to take care of the families, the young ones, the caregivers, and the, and, um, can, can, can actually get done. So, um, yeah. Mary, thank you so much for calling in today. Um, to be continued. Yeah, and if Mark Benioff is listening and has some additional resources that they want to throw our way to defend, you know, our June Prop C, it's going to help defend November Prop C. And so, yeah, if anyone out there is listening, please let us know, and I will definitely call you back, Val. I really thank you and appreciate the opportunity to share, um, to share all of this with your listeners. Indeed. Well, we will expand upon this um, next time. And uh, thank you so much. And I'm greatly great to have connected with you at She the People. Yes, that was amazing. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Mary. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. 
All right, folks, you are listening to Women's Magazine here on MutinyRadio.fm. Um, yeah, we're talking about setting a precedent for democracy, um, for the will of the people, for local initiatives um, that are backed by uh, valid signatures of voters and citizens and residents, um, making sure that the measures that pass uh, under, under that banner can actually be um, enacted. Um, so, uh, like 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 she mentioned right at the end, and, and I actually am going to get a phone call here any 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 second now um, to to hop on to the next topic. But before we do, um, uh, what she, what she mentioned right at the end is that this would help defend uh, future propositions. Um, and so, to talk about Prop C now on the November ballot, um, which we're going to be voting for here in San Francisco in just a couple of weeks. Um, Proposition C is um, is the um, would be the tax on uh, gross receipts tax uh, on businesses making over fifty million dollars a year. <laughs> fifty million dollars a year. I say these numbers and they're like, what is that? Um, and it it it'd be a less than one percent tax um, on on such businesses uh, to help fund homelessness and mental health services and housing and rent subsidies in San Francisco. Um, so uh, one of the arguments against Prop C, um, which actually comes directly from the mayor of San Francisco right now, um, saying that. Hey, we, we might get sued over this, uh, like we're getting sued over the other one. Um, but, well, to be continued on that. I'm going to play a little music and answer this phone. Uh, thanks for tuning in.
more music from our friends Mission Delirium off their album called Live in Rio. But uh, thank you for tuning in to Women's Magazine this afternoon. I'm Global Val. My next guest who's called in today, I'm really happy to have a phone call in from her, um, Gilda Yazzie. She is the vice president of the National Organization for Women, um, and she's currently on a mission to get out the vote and has been going around the country uh, in, in, in hopes of, of, of getting people to the polls and, and getting more women elected. Uh, Gilda Yazzie, welcome to Women's Magazine. Uh, welcome back to Women's Magazine. Well, thank you, Global Val. You know, I'm, I'm glad to pitch in here and let people know what I'm doing for trying to get out the vote. And yes, this is part of my listening tour, and I'm trying to encompass, you know, people to understand that getting out the vote is a field strategy to make sure the voters who are most likely to go to vote go to vote. It seems like it might be a simple uh, step to get people to go to vote. Like myself, as I grew up, my dad took me with him when he went to vote, and I wondered what he was doing. And then he came out of the, you know, the auditorium, wherever he was voting at, you know, wiping his hands off like he did a real big job. And that, to me, impressed me that this was important. For me, getting out the vote is important because we live in a society that allows us to vote. And part of our, um, our way of life here is justified by everybody participating in um, voting. So that's one of the reasons why I'm working very hard on getting out the vote. And I'm, I'm trying to target um, our members from the National Organization for Women to get out to vote and to vote on a feminist perspective. So I, I, you're on a kind of a cross-country journey doing this. Uh, where have you gone, and, and what have you encountered along the way? Well, right now, I'm in um, Colorado, in La Plata County, Colorado, and I'm touching base with what some of the local issues are here. And what I've encountered is that um, in the more rural areas, the vote spread is very narrow, and if there's a good push to get out the vote, that could increase voter participation by like 1% to 4%. So in a very close race, and sometimes they call these states purple states because usually it's red for the Republicans and it's blue for the Democrats, and if you mix those up, you get purple. In some states, in some areas, it's purple. And if you just push a little bit harder on one side or the other, that 1% to 4% that the Get Out the Vote campaign is targeting to get people to go vote, it could be the difference in a very tightly held contest. That's what I've seen out here. And I've seen a lot of people willing to listen to the reasons why we should vote. And I find that very empowering because... We need to encourage full participation in the voting process. I think that's a, a very a sobering reminder that, especially in local races, um, and depending on where you are, however big that population may be, that a very you know relatively small handful of voters at times can really make 
the entire difference and 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 the decision of 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 how that election goes one way or the other. Um, to me, that's a very compelling argument for trying to get people to vote. Um, I guess my question is, how do you get people to who don't vote um, to actually start to think critically about what their opinions are about things that they may have otherwise just have no frame of reference for or think it's too complicated. Um, you know, it's, I think it's one thing to get people who to say, yeah, I want to vote or I guess I should vote, but then how do we get people to become educated about the issues and about the candidates? You know, we just have to get out there and mobilize and speak to people. And one of the first parts of the get out the vote operation was the register to vote. So like last month, we were in the field with our clipboards and just asking people if they were registered to vote and or you want us to check if you're registered to vote, you know. And so we had our clipboards and we had a training about how to go about this and you know, you sign a little document that you're who you are. And while you're registering people to vote or asking them if they even know what it means to register to vote, um, you approach it in a very gentle manner and you explain to them that, yes, you got to register to vote so you can go to the polls and you can cast your vote. And then, you know, if they're interested, you touch back with them a few more times Hopefully you'll get their contact information and you'll just rotate back and give them a call and say, remember that we got your ballots come in the mail and then you read the ballots. If you have any questions, do a little research. You can ask us if you have any questions and then you encourage them to go to vote because there's different levels of participation that I'm also learning. My, me, myself, I always vote. You know, I think, I feel bad if I don't get there and vote, so I always vote. But there are some people who may vote like once every five or six years, and they think that's good participation. Mm. So it all depends upon how the people feel about it. But we encourage people, if they do have questions about what the process is, to go and vote, that it's, um, it's your right to vote. It's your, it's your, um, it's your voice. Um, it's your vote. And we try to, I try to explain to them from a personal perspective that my father actually taught me it was really important to vote. I, that's how I approach it. But mm-hmm. you're right. Some people um, don't feel like they should participate. And, you know, that's something that we need to work out a solution to and see if why they don't participate, you know, but... Yeah, I, we're doing the best we can. It sounds like it. I, I really appreciate the work that you're doing, and 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 especially on behalf of of the National Organization for Women, um, especially at this this day in this day and age, uh, because it seems to me that people are waking up across the country and wanting to be more active and maybe coming out of their non-voting uh, caves, um, maybe for the first time or for the first time in a few years. Um, so I know that that engagement that you're 
a part of is really important um, because people I find need to connect um, in, in one way or another. Um, and I think we've seen that uh, blossoming uh, with some of these huge gatherings, the women's marches of the past two years, um, the climate marches, the tax marches, like more people are out and about. And, and I think a lot of people say, well, what's a protest going to do? But, it, but I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of things happening behind the scenes and behind people's, you know, in people's minds that are milling around, but it's always good to get out and co- actually connect with other people who are, you know, fe- feeling, feeling like the need for connection. So, um, that is, uh, that is heartening to me. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm, grateful for the work that you're doing. Um, do you find that a lot of the people, like, who are the people that you're talking to? I mean, do you get, do you find that you're able to better engage with, uh, young people who've just, you know, don't have a lot of experience voting, or do you find that you're actually getting to, to talk to some, you know, a, adults who um, are, are really wanting to kind of get back into the process? Uh, does it seem like one, one way or the other, or um, cer- certain things stand out to you in that regard? Well, you know, uh, we live in a, um, a college town here in Durango, Colorado, and the college people that I've run into, they all seem very engaged, you know, so they're all knowledgeable about, yes, they need to vote. Um, they're going to vote, but then it's like, okay, let's make sure they vote. Okay, so they're knowledgeable because they're in the educational system. When I canvassed in the neighborhood, it appears that um, some of the elderly people who are housebound, maybe because they can't drive anymore or they have ambulatory issues, they're the people who we need to interact with to see if they need a ride to go vote. They want to vote, but sometimes there's a hardship there. So that's part of the get out to vote, to make sure that they are engaged. And myself, I enjoy getting out there and canvassing and talking to people because I do enjoy people. So um, I think that the people who don't engage really freely with me when I'm out canvassing somewhere or making phone calls are the ones who are very busy with working. And that's pretty normal because most people have to work a day job so they can provide for their families. So I think, you know, generally it just depends upon the time and place you're at. But I have found most people do want to vote. But getting to make sure they cast their vote before Election Day, say for a mail-in ballot or on Election Day, and go down and participate, that's the key, to make sure they do cast their vote. Yeah, that's, well, that's a good point. Um, And that is hopeful to know that uh, that is a a positive uh, report that most people want to vote. (laughs) It's just a matter Mm -hmm. of getting getting there, um, which, you know, can, can be can be addressed. So um, what do the next couple of weeks look like for you uh, as we get closer and closer to Election Day, November 6th? You know, I'm going to continue working on getting out the vote for everybody to participate in the electoral process. That's what I'm going to focus on. I'm going to still research the issues, you know, keep abreast of the um, the Senate and the congressional and governor's races to see where we're leaning, if we're leaning this way or that way, 
if we're going to be tossed up, just to keep a, a firm eye on it. But basically, my focus is going to be educating likely voters to make sure they do cast their ballot. Because at this point, most of the registration to vote has been um, we passed the deadlines on most um, jurisdictions that now it's just let's get all these voters to the polls. You know, make sure that people receive their ballots, receive the information that the, um, the local and state government sent, sent out to their voters to see that they get those documents so they can read up about the issues. And then hopefully, as we get closer to voting day, that we make sure the people get to the polls where they mail their ballots in and that they complete the process to vote. That could be my push. All right. Um, and I know that you're out of, out, you're not here in California. Um, here in California this year for the first time, actually June was the first time um, that in California, you if you miss the voter registration deadline, that's okay. If you go to your local county main voting uh, precinct, um, mm-hmm. like for us here in San Francisco, the, the Department of Elections is in the basement of City Hall. And so, um, you know, Folks can go in there on election day and uh, and 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 vote, um, and it's kind of counted like a mail-in. You know that that they still have to verify everything, um, but then those votes get counted later. So um, hopefully that will become more of the norm, so that we uh, can start to work past and and take these obstacles away. As um, in in direct contrast to a lot of the voter suppression uh, that we know to be true out there. Um, so Gilda Yazi, thank you so much. Um, uh, are there any resources that you'd like to point people to? Does, does the national organization for women have, um, you know, resources in terms of following the various, uh, races around the, around the country or, um, where, where do you like to get your, um, your updates? Uh, if you have kind of a, maybe a couple of central sources or if, if you're, uh, just really checking in on individual races across the country. You know, for myself, I have a few key races I'm, I'm watching right now. Um, and they're mainly the senatorial races, like in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm watching that race really closely and I'm watching some of the governor races. And one of the, um, agencies that I like to read is the Cook Political Report because they have some very good updates about what may go on. I mean, it's all a guess. Right. You know, all of this polling, all these uh, talking heads and all that, they're doing an educated guess. We mm-hmm. will not know until the evening of election night what's going on, um, which is, you know, <laughs> it can be surprising. Uh, but, um, you know, I think if you generally just keep an eye on the news and you do a little of your own research, you can generally figure out what's happening. Um, I don't know if I should name any resources other than that, but if That's you go right. to the NOW webpage, we do have a um, some information about endorsements on our PAC website. So that's good, a, good that's to a know. All right. Well, thank you so much, Gilda. Um, I really appreciate you calling in today and uh, look forward to another update down the road. And we'll reconnect and uh, leave it as uh, get out the vote and to be continued. 
Well, yes, I can come back after the vote. Wonderful. Well, you know, that, and that's a good point, too, folks out there. It's not just about Election Day. It's about what happens every and day. we always move <laughs> forward. We always move forward. Mm-hmm. Here, here. Hey, well, Global Val, thank you so much. I appreciate it. My pleasure. My honor. Thank you so much. Okay. And we'll talk. talk we'll connect later. again soon. Thank you. you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, folks. See, people are out there doing th- doing good work. I really appreciate Gilda, uh, the vice president of the National Organization for Women, um, who is is working a- around the country and around the clock. Um, and there's, I, I have to, I have to report to you as well. There are a lot of people, so many people, so many women, so many diverse. Women from, you know, these diverse cultural communities who are out there really making a big difference in uh, the the electoral process, in communities, getting people registered, getting people involved, firing, getting people fired up, getting people to back candidates who actually have connections to the communities from uh, that they would be representing. Um, You know, it's a new day in America. There's there's no more sitting back and uh, letting you know, special interests, uh, just get their own candidates in there. And, 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 uh, you know, while, while the public goes on like watching TV every night and ignoring what's happening and then complaining once in a while, those days are done. Uh, obviously if you're listening to women's magazine, (laughs) you know what I'm talking about. Um, and it may not feel like everybody else around you is doing it. Of course, it's never, you can never say always. Um, and, uh, but, but there really is so much going on. I went to the She the People Summit a few weeks ago here in San Francisco. Uh, It was hosted by Amy Allison. Um, They had, it it was such an inspiring day. There were women from 36 states who had come to San Francisco to start to build their own network, knowing that women and particularly women of color um, are are not always going to be backed or supported by the established parties in this country. Um, moving into new directions, opening into new territories, not thinking in terms of red and blue, um, and, 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 and really trying to move past a lot of the partisan politics that have gotten us into this very ugly dichotomy that we see play out in the media every day. Um, so um, there's, there's big races in uh, Georgia and Alabama and Ohio and um uh, Michigan. Um, there's a woman in Michigan, um, uh, Shahida Talib, who, uh, won her primary. She is a Muslim American woman, um, who is, you know, brought to, brought to tears talking about the Flint, Michigan water crisis. Um, she's slated to go to Congress. Um, there's uh, Ayanna Presley in in Massachusetts, um, who who uh, was a Boston City Council member, um, who ran against um, a ten term Democratic incumbent uh, for the, for the district to represent the Boston area in in Congress, and she won the primary by like eighteen points. So this is from people actually getting together at a real grassroots level, reaching out, making sure that that in the new era of politics in this country, that it is, um, and I'll quote 
Amy Allison um, from She the People uh, as she was there encouraging people or women to run for office at all levels is when you're considering doing it, think about what do I want to do? Don't think about who do I want to be? And that is to me a very radical notion in politics, uh, which is very um, seemingly ego driven. Um, but that's what's gotten us in so many messes. So, Hey, thanks for listening to women's magazine today. Remember, Just when your aspirations seem outrageous, inspiration is contagious. Peace. Thank you. Stay tuned. The Common Thread Collective is coming up next. Community open mic here at mutinyradio.fm. I'm going to be performing in Litquake next Friday, October 19th at Cafe du Nord, 8 to 10 p.m. But I'll be in the 8 o'clock part, so you better get there early. Tickets are $15 in advance. 20 at the door. I'm going to be performing with the Brown Fellinis, Paul S. Flores, Rico Pabon, Jenny Lim. It's going to be word jazz, uh, poetry, and it's going to be fucking awesome. I'm really excited about it. Peace, y'all. Stay tuned. <laughs>